right. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Uh, here in just a few minutes, we'll look at verses 35 through 39. We're continuing again this week in our uh, Promises series, where we're looking at promises we find in the Bible, uh, promises that God has made uh, to us. After several weeks of uh, considering what you might think of as very positive promises, things like abundant life and uh, peace and, and uh, rest. Last week, we took a glance at uh, a promise that at first look appeared a little bit negative. I don't think it really was negative, uh, but, but it sounds that way, and that's the promise of suffering. And this week, we're back to a better-sounding promise. It is the promise of enduring love. Love sounds a lot better than suffering, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But I think it's important for us to realize something today, and that that, uh, that is that today's promise comes to us within the context of what we talked about last week, which is suffering, trouble, difficulty, hardship. We know this because Romans 8, where we find our text today, has one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible about suffering. It's one that we looked at uh, last week. It's Paul's famous reference to suffering in verse 8. And we know that because our text for today, Romans 8, 35 through 39, also sets love in the context of trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and the list actually goes on and on from there. And so I've entitled today's message, The Promise of Enduring Love, because it is about love in the middle of the really hard stuff in life, the stuff that requires endurance. And so let's go ahead and look at our text, Romans eight thirty-five through 39. Uh, you can follow along in your Bible. Uh, it should be on the screen behind me. Uh, if you have your mobile device and your Bible's on there, uh, you can follow along there. By the way, just so you know, whenever I see you looking at your mobile devices, I assume you're reading the Bible. So I, I trust that that is true. So here's what it says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons... Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Great passage, isn't it? By the way, before I go on, I also wanted to welcome uh, Reverend and Mrs. Negron to church today. These are the parents of Tirza Hammond and uh, long-term missionaries. Would you guys just stand and let us uh, welcome you? So Paul asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I, I think that the way we should hear this question and the way that it is most helpful for us to apply this question to our own lives 
is to hear something like this when we read that. How can our experience of Christ's love be compromised? Or how can we come to feel as though we are separated from Christ's love? Or how can it come to seem like maybe we're not loved by Christ? You know, the Bible is so clear and emphatic about the loving nature of God. It it says, God is love. By by the way, is the volume okay? I feel really loud. Maybe take me back just a bit because I'm going to go Pentecostal today. So, (laughs) Not, not really, not really, not really. That's, that's just a joke. Uh, So the Bible's really clear and emphatic about the loving nature of God. Uh, I mean, he is love, the Bible says. And everything in Scripture teaches us that God always loves. His love is reliable, that it never fails us. And so I think what is most likely in view today in this passage is how our experience of Christ's love can be compromised or how it can come to seem as though we are separated uh, from his love. There, there might be more, but there are at least two temptations that I believe we face when life brings really hard things to our lives. Here's the first temptation. It is to believe that the trouble in our lives is evidence that God does not love us, that God does not care about us. And this can take all kinds of forms, from believing in God but coming to see Him as aloof and uncaring about His creation, to actually coming to the place where you believe that there must not be a God. People interpret hardships that come to their lives as evidence that God does not care for them or that He isn't there at all. The second temptation that people face, that we face, is the temptation to allow the troubles of our lives to compromise our love for God. We know that the God revealed in the Bible is all-powerful. Nothing is impossible with Him. And we look at the things that are going wrong in our lives. We look at the trouble, the hardship, and we become resentful that God has not fixed our problems. We allow this feeling to grow until sometimes our love for God becomes compromised. We might give lip service to loving God, but deep down inside we become angry with God, distant from God, not honestly in a place where we can really say that we love God. Who can separate us from the love of God? How can our experience of God's love be compromised, how can we feel separated? It's when we come to believe that God does not love us or care for us. It is when we allow the hardship in our lives to compromise our love for Him. And what often happens is that these things work together. They work in tandem. People come to believe that God does not love them, and so they in turn stop loving God. And this, of course, makes perfect sense that that it works this way because doesn't the Bible teach us that we love him because he first loved us? And so we're tempted to interpret hardship as evidence that he doesn't love and care about us, and then in turn our love for him becomes compromised. Many people have turned away from God 
Many people have begun to see God as aloof and uncaring or even completely rejected belief in God because of a personal hardship. Uh, I'm told, I, I think this is pretty reliable, that one of the things that contributed to Charles Darwin eventually rejecting belief in God was the loss of his daughter, the death of his beloved daughter, Annie. Many of you may know someone personally who has walked away from God because of a hardship in their, in their life. Uh, Michelle's grandfather, uh, who just a, a character of a guy, a, a, a great and neat guy in many ways, but for years he would not even talk about God. And the reason he would not talk about God is because decades earlier he had prayed that God would heal his mother but instead his mother died. And this is a pretty common thing that causes people to walk away from God, allow their love of God to be compromised. And I think that there are some people here today, perhaps no one knows this but you, your family may not know this, your spouse may not even know this about you, from all appearances you may look like your relationship with God is strong, but I think there are people here today who have been on the verge of walking away from God. And I think you've been on the verge of this because you have come to believe that God does not love you, that God does not care about you because of some hardship in your life. And so you have concluded that you don't care that much about God. Or maybe you're right on the edge of concluding that there must not really be a God at all. To those of you who may be facing that kind of temptation in your life, the Apostle Paul says that none of the hardships that life brings us are evidence that God does not love and care about you. He says that neither life nor death, angels nor demons, anything about your present situation or anything that will happen to you in the future, in fact, nothing, in all creation can separate us, can separate you from the love of Christ. There are a lot of things that can be said about Paul's writing, a lot of things that we can take from it, but one of them is simply this. Paul wants to assure you that troubles are not a sign of the absence of God's love. Your troubles do not mean that God does not love you. Troubles do not mean that God doesn't care for you. Troubles do not mean that God has pulled back from you or separated himself from you. Troubles are not evidence that we're separated from God's love. And so no matter what the circumstances of your life are right now, no matter how difficult things may be for you right now, God loves you. He really loves you. The enemy is trying to convince you today that God doesn't love you, but he does. And you can rest assured that no trouble that you've ever faced or will ever face proves anything differently. It does not serve as evidence that God doesn't love or care about you. No difficulty in your life proves that God has withdrawn his love from you because he has not. And if you'll accept the testimony of the Apostle Paul, 
if you'll accept the witness of the Holy Scriptures, and if you'll accept the witness of the Holy Spirit in your own heart, then you can resist this temptation to allow hardship to compromise your love for God. I came across a great quote this week uh, from Matthew Henry, a theologian from the 16th and 17th centuries. Uh, He was writing on this uh, text in Romans, and here's what he wrote. We do not, will not, love him less for this, hardships, because we do not think he loves us the less. A true Christian loves Christ nevertheless, though we suffer for him, thinks never the worse of Christ, though we lose all for him. I think this is a great quote. I I put it on your outline. I want to read it again. We do not, will not love him less for this because we do not think he loves us the less. A true Christian loves Christ nevertheless, though we suffer for him, thinks never the worse of Christ, though we lose all for him. We do not think he loves us less. And so we do not, will not love him less. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's look again at the list of things that Paul says can't separate us from from Christ's love. Verse 35, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Verse 37, life nor death, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. None of these things indicate that God doesn't love you. His love endures through all of those things. And knowing that, none of those things should compromise our love for God. The list ends with this, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. Nothing. As I was preparing the message this week, it wasn't really the direction that I was going with most of this message, but I I felt that God impressed on me to mention that nor anything else in all creation includes your sin. It includes your sin. It includes your past sin. It includes any sin you're involved in right now. It includes any sin that you'll be involved in in the future. God loves you. And if you belong to him, even your sin cannot separate you from his love. It hasn't and it can't. Maybe you're here today and you're involved in some area of sin in your life and you've come to believe that God is angry with you. Perhaps you even think that God's love is conditioned on your obedience. You need to know today that God is not angry with you. God loves you. No matter what you're doing, God still loves you. Now, he wants you to stop sinning. He wants you to stop that. And he'll empower you to stop that. He really will. But he absolutely loves you. 
His love for you has not changed one bit because of your sin. Turn back to him today and receive his loving forgiveness. There's another uh, part of this that I just want to briefly mention, and then we're actually going to do something a little different today, and we're going to hear some testimonies from people uh, about uh, the love that they have felt from God and their love for God in the midst of adversity. But look at verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So in the midst of talking about love that endures through all the difficulties of life, Paul inserts this sentence that says, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And there are various views on exactly how this should be understood. There's room for us to to come to a range of different uh, interpretations of this, but I think it's fairly simple. Uh, I think it simply means that we can endure through all of these things and that in the end, everything will be well with us, not because of anything we've done, but because Christ loves us. His love endures through all of these things. His love is greater than all of these things, and his love ultimately overcomes all of these things. We're more than conquerors because we are loved by God and and we are loved by God not just when things are good. We are loved by God when we are victorious over our troubles, but we are also loved by God when things are bad for us. We are more than conquerors because our experience of God's love is not compromised by winning or losing. We're just loved and we love No matter what, our love is not dependent on what we might call being victorious. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The promise of enduring love. I thought one of the best ways to illustrate this today is for you to hear real stories from real people in our congregation. These are all people who have experienced hardships in their lives, but even through the hardship, they have lived out, they have experienced this promise of enduring love. They know that God loves them, and they love Him. They have resisted the temptation to conclude that God doesn't love or care about them because they know He does, and they've resisted the temptation to allow their own love for God to be compromised. And so they're going to testify of their experience with the promise of enduring love. Now, I have to tell you that three men are going to share. I tried to get women to share, ladies, but it just didn't work out for various reasons. So, do not take this as evidence of any type of discrimination or anything of, the, of such nature. Uh, this is just who, who was available to. Are we okay? All right. Ladies, you won't, you won't judge that there's just three men? All right. All right, I didn't really think you would, but um, just trying to be funny. All right, so uh, we're going to have Scott McKnight, uh, John Notestein, and Rob Sexton share in that order. So, Scott, why don't you come up here? And then John and Rob, uh, you can just come up uh, after he is finished. Thank you. My name's Scott. We've been here two years. My family and I are transplants from Arkansas. Um, 
We have five of our kids or four of our children have moved to the Columbus area over the years. And two years ago, three years ago, we decided to move to this area. We felt it was something led of the Lord. And because God was in it, I figured it was a a cakewalk. And so in my arrogance, uh, it it wasn't. It hasn't been. We're still going through it. We've we've struggled uh, for the last two years financially. Uh, I'm in the insurance and financial services, and it probably wasn't the best time to, in the economy to make a move of, of this kind, but we knew it was God, and, uh, and so we came. And uh, through this, we've, I've learned a great deal of lessons. But through the, through the lessons, earlier this year, because this, this has gone on for so long, uh, I reached a point that uh, I began to allow doubt to come in and, and fear and, uh, and, and to compound it, I felt guilty because as a Christian for 30 years, we've gone through tougher things than this. Uh, we have eight children. I've seen God move miraculously. I've seen him heal and deliver, save, touch my children in ways that just warm my heart. <clears throat> but there's a guilt prevailed. Uh, I knew that God, uh, I knew what scripture says. It says that uh, he will never leave us nor forsake us. But as, as I was feeling these things earlier this year, the Lord led me to a scripture that literally was a turning point emotionally for me. And in Psalms 16.8, it says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. That changed everything. I began to have revelation that I knew that God was taking me through a season of extreme faith. I mean, let's face it, what's going on in the world today, uh, to set aside financial issues, there's moral issues, there's Christians under attack, persecutions. There are a lot of things that can make us depressed. And if we can't hear and know that God is God, we're in trouble. So I knew where he was taking me. Uh, It wasn't easy. Um, And as I began to ponder it, I realized that God has met every one of our financial needs in the last two years. Maybe it was to the last minute on many, many occasions, but he has always met our needs. I've had many answers to prayer this year in my family and, and uh, within our church. We know that we're meant to be here. And um, the most important thing um, is that my... My marriage is stronger than it's ever been. Terry and I are very close through this, and I needed that. I'm thankful for my church, some of the, the prayer warriors and the leadership that have walked through this with us. We know we're getting through it. We know what God is doing, and I feel his love every day. And while this is not anything that I would have chosen or want to go through, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with me. He's beside me. He loves me. And I love him more and more every day. Thanks, Scott. I'm John. John Dotstein. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I was asked to... Uh, you know, to come up and share uh, about a situation, and uh, I have a lot to pick from. <laughs> and uh, well, we've seen uh, our share of adversity, 
But there's, uh, you know, God blessed me with a wonderful family, a wife and, uh, and two kids. And the uh, situation I want to talk about is when my daughter was 10 months old, my precious little baby girl, Allison. And uh, at 10 months, uh, she had her first seizure. And uh, it rocked my world. Uh, seeing her uh, helpless, uh, it terrified me. I was scared. Uh, didn't know what the future held. And I just felt really helpless. And, uh, you know, these continued, uh, these seizures. Uh, over, the, over the next few years, uh, she had about 15. And, uh, you know, varying degrees. Uh, some were, uh, you know, just required the squad to come out and, uh, you know, check her out, you know, because we had to give her some special medicine. And uh, they may, had to make sure she was breathing okay and all that. But, you know, the... Even to the point of, uh, there was one in particular that I remember where uh, the medics came out, and uh, I remember uh, following the squad. My wife's a nurse; uh, she was in the squad with the medics, and uh, we were leaving from Pickerington, going to Children's. Uh, Seventy was uh, a closed; uh, it had the construction zone, right? Yeah, I think we all remember that. It was about forty-five mile an hour speed limit. I was following the squad, and when it hit about 90 miles an hour, I was really terrified. And, uh, uh, you know, I knew there was something very, very seriously wrong. Uh, but i got to tell you, you know, through it all, you know, it uh, really increased my prayer life. <laughs> uh, I cried out to God, as did my wife. And uh, we knew he was there for us. We knew he was there for my daughter. Uh, each and every time that she had one of these seizures... It was amazing, uh, you know, either my wife was there, who was a pediatric nurse. Uh, she had one at school on the playground. just happened to be that these were the particular hours that that school nurse was at that school that day, you know. It never worked out that she didn't have the right care for her when this was going on. And uh, our overwhelming uh, prayer during this time was uh, really twofold. Number one, that God would uh, fix whatever was going on, take it away from her. And, uh, and number two is that she wouldn't have any permanent damage. And, uh, you know, I'm very, very happy to say that, you know, uh, she had her last seizure uh, when she was seven years old. She's 13 today. And, uh, you know, she had all kinds of testing done during the process and afterwards. And uh, there's not one sign of anything wrong with her. Uh, so, thank you. Thank you, God. And uh, we know God was with her through it all. Uh, she was never alone. Uh, we were never alone. We had uh, a great church body along with us. We had uh, people that uh, were at the church that got to our home, sometimes even before the uh, squad did. And we lived really close to the firehouse. Uh, you know, it was, it was amazing, uh, the love that God showed us through it all. And, uh, and I thank him for, uh, taking us through that and for delivering her from it and, uh, without cause. And, uh, you know, and while I can certainly tell you that, uh, I never would have chosen this, uh, going through it, you know, I felt God's love the whole time and, uh, it only made it stronger. And uh, dropped me uh, a lot closer to him during this time. Thanks.
who boy. <laughs> I've done a lot of public speaking over my life, but never, uh, never quite something so personal. I, uh, so give me some short prayers just to get through all this. Uh, our family's been through a lot of turmoil over the last couple of years. Uh, some folks here are aware of some of it, and uh, it's been some real challenging stuff. Um, through it all, God's put people in our life, just one after another, that have just been so amazing and supported us. Um, a lot of them have been unrelated to each other. They didn't know each other. It wasn't like there was a plan, let's, you know, let's take care of the Sextons for a while. It's just different folks doing things that have been so wonderful. For me, I'm so thankful for my wife. She's been such a major source of support for, for me in, in all of this. Um, a support that just bolstered my own faith. You know, the Bible talks about uh, daily bread. And uh, I, I went through a job loss here recently, and I'm still looking for a job. I, I, God has provided contracts for me ever since I lost my job. I just one after another. Um, uh, we, during this time, we've never missed anything that, that meant something to us. We've never, the kids didn't miss Christmas. We went through a high school graduation. We... We've gotten through every single thing. We've had appliances go down one after another, and we replaced them all, uh, all during this time when, uh, when things are financially challenging. Um, and through it all, you know, we've had this wonderful church to come to, uh, and people have prayed for us and been with us throughout. Um, I've been going to churches since I was just a little bitty boy, and I think it was all just sort of play-acting until all this. Uh, it was at that point, you know, I think God wanted me to cry out uh, for help. He wanted to, to humble me, and uh, it's been an amazing experience. My oldest child, uh, Robbie, has always been the, the thinker in our family. He's always been the skeptic. And uh, when it came to church, you know, he'd always be asking questions. And he's a big science fan, so, you know, he would challenge faith all the time. And I, I couldn't answer all those questions. I'm just not all that slick when it comes to all the scientific stuff. And during all this turmoil, Robbie got saved right here in this church. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. Um, for me, mornings are always the hardest, you know, when the house is quiet and I'm all by myself. Uh, I, that's when I confront all the demons in my life and the things that I've done wrong and the things that are going wrong and that sort of thing. It's when the enemy sort of creeps in and tries to challenge whether or not God loves us or loves me. Um, and I learned that faith is many times a choice. I think all my life I thought faith was, was something that you, you just had it. You know, and I'd see these people who seemed to have it, and it was so strong. And I sort of learned that you've got you to step out. You know, you have to, you have to choose uh, some of this stuff. Um, during this time, I latched on to David, King David, because I found that, it, it, uh, that nobody quite cries out for God in the Bible, I don't think, like David does. Um, nobody celebrates when God uh, comes through for him like David does, and, and nobody really hits the ground in despair like David does. And so I latched on to him, and, and I, so I, you know, Psalms have been very precious to me during all of this. Um, at the hardest times, you know, I've prayed uh, for God to help me in my unbelief. Um, and, and I've, I've always kept it in my head that there's joy in the morning. It's, it's just around the corner at some point. You know, God's got a plan for us. And uh, through it all, we've made it through, like I said, through every, every single experience. Um, I'm not going to say God's removed the thorns because we, we seem to have just got a big stack of stuff we're dealing with these days. And 
but he's made sure that we had something uh, to take care of us throughout every part of it. Uh, we've latched on tighter to this church uh, throughout, and, and that's been a great source of strength. Um, here, I guess, it's probably been about a month and a half ago, though. I really felt, or maybe two months ago, that things were really piled up on us. Um, and so I spoke to Pastor Brian. We met, and I said, uh, you know, he's aware of a lot of the things we've been going through. And I said, you know, I don't expect God to solve all of our problems at once. But I sure would like to pray that he would just take care of just one. Just, re- just take one off the stack, you know, that you could deal with. Um, because I think I'm kind of at my breaking point, you know, that I'm to the point where I, I just don't know what else I can do. And so we prayed this prayer, and this, this prayer, the story I'm going to tell you is about my mom. Um, my folks have visited here several times, and they've visited with us. Uh, and my mom, about six years ago, had colon cancer, and she was a survivor. And uh, um, for those who have been through this, you take tests uh, periodically. They test your blood to see that certain counts come back and whether it indicates you might have colon cancer again. And she's been watching this ever since. And a little over a year ago, her count was up and she was full of anxiety and it finally triggered that she had to go back to the doctor and the test indicated uh, that indeed there was some cause for concern. So from there they went to this a second test where you, uh, you, get, you get like an x-ray basically that shows glow in the dark what might be there and they found two spots. They found a spot in her lung and they found a spot in her belly um, and so they quickly did a biopsy on her lung and they found out she had lung cancer. And uh, it was a scary experience for her. She came up to Columbus to the James Hospital, and she had uh, surgery on her lung. However, the part in her belly, they're going to let go while they dealt with the lung issue, uh, which, was, of course, you know, you can imagine how scary that would be to, to know something's growing inside you and to not deal with it while you deal with something else. And they did this test a second time three months, um, about three months ago, and they found the spot in her belly was bigger. And so they... She needed to rush through the surgery on her lungs so that she could get to the other surgery. So we had to clear that hurdle, and she did. She went through the surgery in her lungs, and she lost about a third of her right lung. Um, the test came back very good. She didn't have to do chemotherapy or radiation, and uh, she's very healthy in that regard. So as soon as she get back on her feet, uh, the idea is to bring her back to Columbus, and they want to do a biopsy on her belly to kind of get a picture on what exactly was in there and that sort of thing. And so my father and I went over to the James with her to get ready for her biopsy. Now, everybody and their grandmother's been praying for her. In fact, we asked Brian to let out the, the prayer ministry team that she needed prayers. My dad, who never, ever talks about his faith, I know he's a believer, he actually called their church and asked them to pray. Uh, their neighbor down the street told him that at 4 in the morning, he woke up because he heard a noise in the house and he found his wife on her knees praying for my mom that morning. On the way up, my dad asked my mom what she was doing. She said, I'm praying. And this was neat. All the times that she'd ever prayed, she just wanted healing, help me get through this. I want to get back on my feet. That morning she prayed, just make it go away. Just make it go away. So we met her at the, uh, or I met her at the hospital. And uh, the surgeon came to visit us before they went in there. She's a very confident uh, younger surgeon. Um, and we asked the question, what do you think? Is there a possibility this is not cancer? She was very confident that it was. You know, it's growing. It has all the signs. Uh, we're going to do this biopsy. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, I took my dad down to the cafeteria to get something to eat. And uh, they give you a little beeper when you do that. And, you know, when it's time to page you to come back and see your loved one. We no sooner had sat down uh, 
in the cafeteria, then the beeper went off. And, of course, I don't know how you are, but for me, I automatically thought something's wrong, you know. And we went rushing back to the surgical waiting room, and um, they said, you can go see your, uh, you see your wife or your mom now. She's, she's out. So, you know, we didn't know what to think. So we went running down to the area where she was at, and she's sitting up in bed with this giant smile on her face. And uh, she said they couldn't find anything. And the surgeon was so flipped out by it that they rolled her over and tried again, and they rolled her over and they tried again, and they kept trying to find this growing mass, and they just couldn't find it, and they just couldn't find it. And it was gone, and uh, she had no explanation for it. She even asked the surgeon, and the surgeon really looked uncomfortable and just basically just got out of there. <laughs> I, uh, and we were sitting in this room, my mom and my dad and me, and... Um, trying to figure this out and uh, my mom said I think this is God's work and, uh, and we all kind of agreed I don't know what else she would say it was every test came back that this was cancer every, every single, everything we'd seen and, they, and it was growing and getting bigger and then all of a sudden it's just not there and they couldn't find it and, and like a lot of people I think we searched for any other explanation before we really cut down to the fact that what else could it be and so God answered that prayer. He took something off my stack, which, you know, I mean, it was a, something on everybody else in my family stack, too, and obviously my mom's more than anybody's. So I shared this story. We'll close this up now. I shared this story with a good friend of mine who's been a spiritual uh, mentor and support for me for many years, and uh, he was very excited. He, he said, um, man, he said, I'm going to go home and tell my wife. He said, she's going to be so enthused to hear this and I said yeah I said you know my pastor I told him this and he said you know Rob you could share this in testimony sometime if you like and I said well I don't know I've never done anything like that before I don't know if I really want to do it and then now I know why I said that because it's pretty nerve-wracking to be up here (laughs) so my friend said uh he he said you know um the enemy doesn't want you to share that story he doesn't want people to know the kind of, that God answers those kind of prayers. And, uh, and then he sent me a verse. Uh, a little while later, he sent me a verse on this. And of all the things for him to send me, he sent me a verse from David. And that's what I'll close with. This is Psalm 49 and 10. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Amen. Enduring love. If I remember my conversation with Rob correctly, I think we talked about five pressure points in his life uh, that day that we met, and I believe God's resolved two of them. But I believe three remain. And yet, Rob's consistent testimony to me over the last few years as we've met is my relationship with God has grown stronger. The promise of enduring love. Nothing can separate you from the love of God 
which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why don't you stand?